Welcome to Coffee with Creators. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Michael. And this is our scrappy little podcast. A place where you can hang out with us while we talk about tech, photography, social media, and life as creative professionals. So grab your favorite drink and let's chat. Am I good? Yeah. Hello. Check, 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 go. check, check. All right. I think Perfect. I'm good. I don't think I'm clipping. Nope, I'm good. No. You okay, Chelsea? Yeah, I'm good. Sorry, I was on Instagram. <laughs> I get so sidetracked. (laughs) Welcome, guys, to episode 10. This is exciting. This is a a special guest today. Momentous episode. Forgot to silence the ring notification. I know. He's got a package. I know. It's my my friend (laughs) bothering me again. (laughs) Speaking of packages, I have a very hefty package arriving tomorrow, and I'm so excited. Nice. Wow. Is it a house? No. Let me guess. no, it's from. Do you want to guess, or do you mean to just tell you? Uh, let's guess, Jordan. Michael, Michael should know. Oh, I should know. It is a. Is it a desk? No, God no. Oh, no it's I have not. too many desks. Then I don't me. know. I don't. Oh, I know. I know. It's a. Uh, it's the expensive thing that you bought. Yeah, Rhino. Right. Slider yeah. Arc Two. Ooh. Sweet. Good choice. So excited! I've saved for months. I've literally hardly bought anything from like my working account because we have three different accounts. And James is like, hey, can I get this? But can I use this account? I'm like, no, 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 don't touch that account. That's for Rhino. That's a slider account. He's like, okay, whatever. (laughs) So that's for Rhino. I finally (laughs) got it. Rhino. It arrives tomorrow and I'm so excited. It's awesome. Motorized, right? Yes. It's the, so the time lapse bundle or, no, the shorter, like, 24-inch slider mm-hmm. with the motorized thing at the end and then arc two. Nice. Super excited. Yeah, I can't wait. I wanted right. to cry when I hit pay now, but hopefully it'll pay <laughs> off. Yeah. It's worth it once you get the package. Do you have it? No. No. No, I need to get a slider. I've just been renting. Oh, okay. Like, stuff like that I've just been renting for so long, but I need to pull the trigger and actually yeah. invest in that stuff. I used to so, do that too. I rented a lot of things when I lived in Hawaii, but I don't have anyone like that here. So just went ahead and bought it. Speaking of sliders, uh, have you guys heard of Zeppin? I haven't. Zeppin. No. It's basically a very small slider. It's it's like like this this long. But the way it's... it's um, I can't even explain it correctly, but the way it's designed is that there's a track on top and the actual slider itself moves so that even though it's short, it can get a pretty good range when it's moving. Oh, yeah. It's like the Edelkron. That's, uh, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, those are great. Yeah, so I guess I guess they make their own versions. But I was looking at reviews, and they look pretty awesome. And it's yeah. about the same price as the big-ass slider that I have that's, you know, it's cheap. I mean, it's like 400 bucks, But it looks promising, honestly, because the one that I have is just way too big. I'm like moving things around just so i can yeah the convenience factor alone with those sliders are great totally that's why that's why i got the 24 the smaller one and not the 42 or whatever it is i'm like i don't have enough space in here for that gigantic thing but if it ever comes a point that i need the bigger one like you can just buy the rails and switch everything else out so oh that's nice yeah that's also another thing i realized is that you don't really need a big slider Mm mm-mm no. Right? No. Like for just unless you're doing mules. large productions where there's a lot of movement, like you're moving behind a subject or like you're in a wide shot, 
Yeah. And you're, you have to show that big movement. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, especially for stuff in here, um, you're doing such micro movements. So yeah. you really don't need too much. Mm-hmm. That's why I went with the arc too, because even if you're doing just a little small movement on the slider, you still get that extra four axis movement from the arc too. So hopefully that will step everything up. Well, the pers- the pressure is on now, Chelsea. You better be know, making more videos. I- I'm yeah. like hounding Chelsea all the time. I'm like, <laughs> he called videos. me the other night. I was sitting on the couch. I was already out of the office. He's like, hey, <laughs> yeah. are you making a video? I'm like, well, right now I'm sitting on the couch eating some puffs. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone, Dad. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> All right, so hey guys, let's uh, let's let's do a little introduction for Jordan. I mean, I think everyone would love to know what Jordan does for a living. I know Chelsea and I are excited. Like when she told me what you do for a living, I was just like, "What? Like my life is nothing like like it's not ex- as exciting as you know, at least Mine what either. from what I was hearing from Chelsea." So we would like to hear more about Jordan and what he does for a living and how he got into this whole creative. Um, sort of business because i know a lot of people would love to kind of follow your footsteps right um Me i know chelsea included. does yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's give the mic to jordan and have him introduce himself and maybe tell tell the audience and us like myself included um a little bit about himself that'd be yeah. really nice to hear yeah what's up everybody uh jordan pulmano and i guess the most simple way to describe it is I'm a cinematographer and photographer. And in the past about four years, my focus has shifted into the music industry. So I travel with uh, electronic DJs and like in the EDM community, I travel with these artists and I shoot all of their video and photo content, mainly for social media, music video stuff. Um, So I travel with them when they're on the road, when they play shows, I go around with them. I film all of their stuff cut it into the videos that you see on Instagram. Um, and then I also shoot music festivals. So I'll, I'll shoot a music festival for a couple days um, for them to turn into what they call after movies. And um, it's basically just like a recap of the festival. So that's kind of what I've been focusing on pre-March uh, for the past few years has been just a lot of traveling with that and doing that full time. How did you get that's into the so industry? It's a long story. We got so time. I don't know how much. Okay. <laughs> we got time. With the long version, let's get into it. Let's do um, it. So I moved to Los Angeles back in 2015. I'm from Fresno, which is like right in the center of California. And um, I was shooting music, fe- music videos and like commercials and stuff. I wanted to be a director and a cinematographer. So I moved to Los Angeles to kind of pursue that. And when I was down there, I started learning about the electronic music industry. And it was kind of the point of where it was really starting to pop off in like mainstream culture. So I started seeing these videos of people, um, or these like music festival videos. I'm like, these are awesome. These huge productions where there's like crazy camera cranes filming big fireworks and millions of people. Okay, not millions, but like tens of thousands of people. So I wanted to figure out how to get into that. So I met a company that specifically shot for music festivals and um, started working with them a little bit and then ended up getting a full-time with full-time job with them and that was back in like end of 2015 so I worked with them for a couple years and that's when they brought me on to like music festivals and doing a lot of stuff in Los Angeles where basically 
most of the industry resides. So doing a lot of videos for these DJs and stuff there. And then just kind of kept doing that for a couple years and slowly got, I went from the production side into the artist side of it. So I went from shooting the music festivals with a company to slowly getting hired directly by the artists and then eventually getting hired by the artist full time. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of a slow process from there. That was like your audition, right? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, that's a good uh, little note for a lot of people who aspire to be something else because you know, we're just impatient, I guess, as a Mm -hmm. society, especially nowadays. And I think we all want to be, you know, where we want to be right away. Meaning Mm -hmm. if I want to be a director, I want to be a director right away. If I want to be, you know, this and that. But what Jordan did is basically the classic example of, you know, going through the paces, right? Like, I mean, the, the different stages of it. And that's good. That's like a really good story. And you definitely have the experience to back it up once you actually get there. Um, I think it's a lot. It's an, it's important for for people to remember that that you have to kind of start from the bottom. And it's actually really nice to hear that that story. Like you really you met with the company. You started you know just shooting as a as a production. Even though we already know that you aspire to be like a director uh, of you know so, of some sort. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's uh that's really. I just wanted to kind of pin that because uh yeah i know i'm gonna forget later on after after (laughs) this but yeah go on with your story i want to hear more yeah i uh so that whole process and again talking about the time it takes that was like three years of like a slow process finally getting to the artist side and that was always the goal i wanted to get to the artist side of things i wanted to be hired by them and travel with them um so once i got into that it kind of just kept You know, you get one job after the other and kind of turned into a full-time gig at that point. So for the past, basically from like late 2017 until early 2020, um, I was traveling almost full-time. So I would be gone 250 days out of the year and um, on the road with usually either one artist specifically or like a couple of them throughout the year. So that's been... um, Kind of what I've been focusing on. I have a question. Yeah. Since I'm completely like mystified by this whole <laughs> industry that you work in. So you work for a company and do they assign you an artist to be like a part of their group or something? Is that how yeah. it works? So yeah. I, I ended up going uh, freelance. So I still work with the company as a freelancer. Um, and then I got the first few artists that I worked for just on my own. So that was just kind of under my name and then i started working with another company who they counted the same thing you know they have a list of artists and they have a network of photographers and videographers in the touring space and they kind of link them based on the style that they want and like personalities and stuff so that's what i that's who i've been working with for the past like year or so and they've been the ones that have kind of kept me busy from there oh good so they can basically have you as like their favorite person to work with or something they can call you anytime is, is I yeah guess is my exactly question. okay cool yeah. that's really awesome do you have any other favorites like is this uh you know without name dropping or anything but like do you have like favorite artists yeah favorite, favorite artists to work with yeah there's definitely a couple favorite artists that i've worked with um like specific tours that i've done mm-hmm. that were just different than the usual electronic music why would you say scene? they were your favorites like um is so, it, mm-hmm. so they, it's an artist named Odessa, which I'm, I'm going to say the name because 
if anybody knows who they are, they know the style of music and kind of like their whole branding and identity. I actually know. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, I was like, oh, I'm freaking out. I know. <laughs> so I did a tour with them in 2017, and it was like their album that had just come out. And so they, their whole show that they put together was just like the most incredible production I've ever seen. And so being on that tour was like way different than anything else that I've done because, you know, you do the music festival circuits and things become somewhat repetitive because, you know, you're playing same set day after day, day Mm -hmm. after day, and it's a music festival. So it's just like your um, CDJs, like the turntables right here, Mm -hmm. and that's about it. But with them, you know, they have a full production with a band and an orchestra and like a snare line or a drum line. And it was just a really cool experience because it was different than what I'm used to. Wow. That That's so cool. cool. You get That's to be cool. like right in the middle of that too, which I am such a music, a fan of music, like all types of music. And so I bet it is so cool to just be like right up close and personal while, while they're mm-hmm. doing those big shows. That's really cool. Yeah. Were like you, that. um, were you kind of starstruck? I, Cause I know I would be <laughs> like in the beginning. Well, I can't even work. You know what I mean? I'm like on stage or something. Like I'm just listening to it. You know, Michael are you just tr- yeah. fighting? Yeah. I'd be <laughs> fighting so hard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. When things are like new and fresh and you're working with these artists that you used to like listen to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always like, Oh, this is awesome. But you, it never becomes less fun, but you kind of get more into the work mode of it of like, seeing them as normal people Mm -hmm. and you get to know these people on a really personal level. Mm -hmm. And so the, the kind of starstruck part of it goes away at a certain point. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, I know this person as them as a human and Mm -hmm. they're like such a good person. Yeah. And so you kind of think of it a little differently from there. Okay. Yeah. And it, like I'm imagining it makes it easier for you to work as well because now you know their style and what they like and you know, you're not, so distracted anymore I, yeah the I, biggest thing is like when you work with a new artist for me is learning their set because when you see the show day after day you start to remember exactly what's happening so you know the full set list you know what song's coming next you know when the pyro's gonna hit because everything's like queued out so you know when the fireworks gonna hit so you know okay i need to be out in the crowd to get this shot mm-hmm. and make sure that i'm there and then oh this song's coming up i want to be on stage for that so that's kind of like the focus of it so, so who do you co- coordinate with the uh, production manager or what, what do they call them? Uh, the tour manager. So okay. yeah, typically an artist has, they either just have a tour manager who handles a lot of roles or they have a tour manager and a production manager. Um, and the production manager would be specifically for the show and like what's going on. Tour managers just with the artists making mm-hmm. sure they get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Interesting. I, I, I'm trying to piece together in my mind all the different factors that you have to take into account when because it's like what if i do have the skill to to take video and edit them or whatever i wouldn't even know who to talk to you know what i mean like do i just go to this person right here who has i don't know who has the controls right in front of him so do you have a process like when you make uh agreements with with these companies or with with these artists do you have this one one go-to person that you talk to and say this is what i can offer you guys like i i don't know what it is exactly that you do but um, you know what I mean? Like, is there like a, a certain process or is it just you show up and be like, okay, guys, what do you, what do you want? What do you, yeah, what do you it's see? Typically, you typically start out with management Okay. and management. Um, they're at the home base. They don't travel with you, but they're the ones that are looking after 
the artist as a whole. So they're like, you know, we're going to push this song in a month. So we want these style of videos. I so you always start with the manager. And um, so I would say for people who are trying to get into it, they're obviously reaching out to the manager. Um, and then the manager say you get hired by them. They're the ones who are kind of giving you the task of deliverables. Mm-hmm. And then um, everyone on the road is just there to make sure everything is moving as like a unit. Okay. So uh, the tour manager may be like, hey, Jordan, can you do this and that? But for the most part, they just kind of schedule things. And if you need them, they're there to help you. But mm-hmm. the tour manager isn't really like overseeing what you're doing as long as you're doing your job. You know, <laughs> I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So when you have a contract with someone, is it like they differ? I, I imagine, right? Like how mm-hmm. the, the, the length of the tour and you said the longest one was what, 250 days or something? Yeah, it, not consecutively, but like okay. throughout the year. So it usually goes from you're either on a tour with you're with an artist for a tour. So um, you would be say it's a 30 day tour. Mm-hmm. So you'd be on the road with them for 30 days consistently or you are hired by them full time and um you're just kind of on their schedule so they'll send you a schedule and a lot of the times it's broken up by like anywhere from three to 14 days at a time okay so a lot of times you'll go out just for a weekend you'll fly out thursday you're home monday or you go on a longer run like to europe or something especially over the summer and you're gone for like 10 to 14 days and in between there you do like seven to 10 shows and so you have like a little bit of space in between wow where, where, where have you been that's the most memorable for you? Oh, man. Uh, you that's went, tough. I, did you go to Japan? Did I see that you were in I Japan? I did. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I think Tokyo is still one of my favorite places to go. Um, Tokyo, for sure. A lot of places in Asia I really love. And uh, other than that, I think Europe, like specifically Norway, Sweden, that region mm-hmm. uh, is probably one of my favorites. That's so wow. cool. That, that yeah. is so cool. I'm just like imagining it. Am I, I told you you would love hearing what he does and kind of yeah, how I, he got started. I totally do. I mean, if anyone asks me, hey, Michael, what do you do? Uh, I wake up and go to my office and that's it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that exactly. That's, that's more common for me <laughs> than yeah. being out there. But So, so how? how has like the whole self-isolation how has that changed like your schedule i mean i'm pretty sure i guess you're just at home now but how has it affected you as far as like income wise and everything it's been interesting um the very start of it around march when we're like oh this is this is happening Mm -hmm. pretty much within a span of a week i had like six weeks worth of touring just down the drain mm-hmm. like i had a full schedule i was going to be out quite a bit and then mm-hmm. it was like boom this is gone this is gone this is gone so i'm like oh all right um but it's been fine i mean thankfully i've had the unemployment that i've been able to sit with so yeah um it's been good it, i think it's a nice time off for me more than anything mm-hmm. and as much as i miss being out there and working and i can't wait to get back to it i am loving the routine that i've built at home yeah Mm -hmm. because i haven't had this is the longest i've been at home consecutively for like years wow so um, it's been kind of a nice switch up 
Speaking of years, so how long have you been doing this? Uh, I've been, I first started doing it in 2015, but I didn't really do it full time until about end of 2017. Okay. That's, yeah. And you're, you were pretty young when you got started. So did you, I watched your YouTube video and that's how I know some of this. And I know you and I have kind of talked back and forth, but did you go to film school first or did you just start? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. I went to film school like right out of high school. So, um, I started in like the summer cause it was full sell online. So mm-hmm. I wasn't like waiting for a semester to start. I, mm-hmm. I started the summer of 2011 after mm-hmm. I graduated high school and, um, was finished up in like 2014. And then I moved to LA the following year. Okay. Yeah. I similar, um, to me, I went to, uh, LA film school all online nice. as well. Yeah. But your your path has taken a very different turn than mine from film school. So that but that's awesome. I I love hearing that. So after after film school, what did you? How did you envision yourself? Did you say, okay, now I'm done with this? Do I? Did you start reaching out to companies? Did you just put yourself out there? Like, what was your um, way of like basically trying to get any any sort of job that's inside that industry that you went to school for? I so I started shooting videos like in high school so all through film school I was starting to shoot like little videos in town for um, you know a couple bu- hundred bucks here and there and then I finally like 2013 the year before I graduated I like just went full-time with it and so from the start and like right at right out of film school I was already kind of like trying to build up a little like production company and just my name as a freelancer so i was just doing small gigs here and there and trying to like slowly scale it up and scale it up and then i always knew that i wanted to move to la for it mm-hmm. and so when i was done there i was like all right let's save up enough money to get down there and then that's when i was finally able to get the larger jobs and kind of slowly start to scale it mm-hmm. so do you edit the videos yourself yeah how what's the yeah, i do What's the turnaround time for for like a little, I don't know, like what? How much footage do you actually get for just one night, for example? Of um... so, I, I've like kind of from the beginning of it, I would just shoot whatever, mm-hmm. and then as time went on, I started learning like these are the shots that I'm actually going to use. This is what I need. This is what I don't need, and so I've been a little more selective with filming just because you have quick turnarounds mm-hmm. usually with videos it's either one video at the end of the run so you're compiling three to five shows into one video or sometimes you'll work with an artist and they're like we want daily turnarounds so we want a quick 20 second 30 second video for instagram the next day Mm -hmm. and so that's the those are the videos where you get home from the show at like or get, get home the hotel you get to the hotel after the show it's like midnight or 1 a.m. and you have to be in the lobby to go to the next city or wherever you're going by 6 or 7 a.m. and so you just have to stay up and edit a little bit of just something just get something together (laughs) so that you can send it to them the next morning but that's few and far between typically it's like send photos next day but video can be at the end of the run so you take photos as well as video Mm -hmm. wow yeah one-stop shop 
I've been trying to <laughs> get him to hire me as the photographer, you know. But <laughs> well, she wants you to husband, she wants you to hire her as a pilot first. The pilot, a, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said when I asked him. I was like, I can work a camera. He goes, Well, I kind of need a pilot. And I was like, mm, I can't. I can't <laughs> promise we we will get there safely. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get you on there at some point once they start doing shows again. That would be awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so what's your what's your um. Well, how do you how do you see this industry with you know given with what's going on right now? Do you think it's going to start back up? Like rather not maybe not soon, but do you are you very optimistic about it? Yeah, I think it's just going to take time. I think with everything that's going on right now, it's just time. Um, I can't see music festivals and shows being at normal capacities again until the middle of 2021 i would imagine yeah Yeah. Um, i know they're slowly starting to do open things up and like do little things here and there mainly overseas so hopefully um early next year maybe i'll start doing more shows overseas where it's a little more under control Mm -hmm. but honestly i don't know i think for a lot of people in the touring industry right now it's a lot of uncertainty of just Mm -hmm. when are we going to get back to it because i don't think it's going to be anytime soon yeah other than the downtime, though, how do you, how are you keeping yourself busy? Just taking desk photos, honestly. <laughs> it's like the only thing that I can take every day and keep myself busy. But no, I've been doing that. Um, just taking random stuff, all personal gigs. Like I'm using this time to work on my personal stuff yeah. that I've been wanting to do for a long time. So trying to shoot YouTube videos as often as I can, shooting the Instagram content and just stuff that I can do at home. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think a lot that's... of people are, are sorry, Chelsea. No, it's fine. Oh, I was just gonna say that a lot of people have started to do the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. what else can you do, right? Like you can't go exactly. anywhere else, and you can't travel. You can't. So you work with what you got, and most of the stuff that you have are at home, and it's pretty much your desk. Like for me, like my desk, yeah. and same, same for me. Stuff, I mean, yeah. this is the prettiest spot in my house. Like the rest <laughs> of the house is like all builder grade. Like we bought the house brand new last year and everything except this room is like untouched, <laughs> like empty <laughs> walls everywhere else. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. It's an open canvas. That's it what is. it is, right? We're yeah. going to get exactly. started soon. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people who are probably listening to this and want to be in the same industry as Jordan, um, would you, do you encourage them or I don't know, like because of what's going on right now, is it something that you can still tell someone, Hey, yeah, just, you know, try to get into this industry if you can, or is it something that you, you will, if you heard someone who wanted to be in this industry, is it something that you can basically, I don't even know how to word it, like encourage them to, to keep trying, or do you say maybe look into something else or maybe, yeah, because I, I would never, like, tell them not to try something, especially something like this, because I know if someone told that to me, I'd be, like, yeah, really bummed out. Yeah. But I think you just have to rethink the process of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you're not going to get into this this year and just start traveling and, like, doing everything right, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I think if you want to be proactive still and trying to build something up, just – contacting management companies and saying hey uh i shoot video and i edit video if you guys have any existing footage that you want to turn into foot or into like instagram videos or whatever you need 
uh, I can edit these videos for you. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say like that's the best first start, the first thing to do right now mm -hmm. because everyone always needs video. Yeah. And there's a lot of content that artists are repurposing and using to keep their social media going and posting and stuff like that. So there's always a way to figure out how to get into it, even if things aren't at normal speed right now. Right. It's I'm very sure. true. I was just going to say, I'm sure at some point things are going to get back to normal, at least maybe a new normal. So I'm sure like this industry isn't, it's not dead, I'm sure. So no. if somebody wants to still get into it, like I think what you, the tips that you gave, I think is a great idea. So Yeah, because it gets their foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And when the time comes that we're finally getting back to it, mm -hmm. um, if the artist is going out on tour and the management company is like, we need to hire a videographer or a photographer. Um, how about this guy who has been helping us out? I think that's uh, perfect. Yeah. A perfect way to get your foot in the door while you exactly. are at home. You bring yeah. up a good point. Yeah. You bring up a good point because, um, you know, some people might be saying, ah, you know, I've got nothing else to do. So I might, might as well just sit home. This is the perfect time for you to start working on that. Your portfolio. If yeah, you, if you like know what I mean, honing right? honing your craft right now is like the perfect time. If you are at home, like like Jordan, like off the road, like you know, film anything. I mean, I was filming like raindrops from the window the other day. I mean, it just whatever you can to get your hands on a camera and like hone your craft right now is actually the perfect time for that. So yeah, right. Because you would when you're starting out with video and photo, you're usually doing it at home anyways, mm -hmm. regardless yeah. of if you have to be home or not. So. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse to just put it to the side because, you know, you can still go out to a park or you can be outside yeah. and still do what you, you can still shoot what you want to shoot. Yeah, um, exactly. So I think it's there's no excuse to not do Th it. That's also a good ex exercise for creativity. I was doing like a little experiment um, on myself. Not nothing weird, but it was <laughs> weird. I, we know it was. <laughs> but basically, what I was doing was I was limiting myself with you know, um, to, to uh, basically access to any equipment. So I'm like, oh, what if I only have my phone and I needed to film this scenario, for example? And I would try that. So mm -hmm. I think that's when we get when we really become creative when we're mm -hmm. limited. So use this time, I think this is a good time for people to use that, you know, this situation where you can't go outside, you can't really, you don't have access to locations or, you know, certain people or whatever to just start filming and just start practicing because you can come up with a lot of really good and creative things if you really just try, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think nowadays a lot of people are just used to blaming the whole, oh, I don't have the, the gear, I don't have, uh, I don't have this and that and you know but really what it is is just you didn't want to start and Chelsea and I always talk about that we always say just just start something right just start yeah because yeah, yeah. we get so many questions of like how do you get to the level of Instagram followers or like people I'm sure always ask Jordan like how did you get to this point in your career and always my answer is just start you just start mm -hmm. like everything else will come if you're putting in the time and the hard work and you're learning and you're constantly creating like everything else will come within time yeah and it's not a two-step process i always tell people yeah. start with step one there could be a hundred steps but you got to mm -hmm. start with step one and you got to go through all of those steps and yeah. you'll start to see results i mean yeah it's just if you don't start you're not gonna see anything yeah yeah so i was gonna ask you too jordan um 
I know you went to film school and so did I, but would you, because people always ask me, they're like, would you suggest going to film school or would you suggest kind of just learning yourself like through YouTube or I know like lynda.com has a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. So would you suggest someone like in today's day and age, would you suggest someone going to film school? Do you think it's worth it? I, I always tell people really do your research and figure out where you want to be in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your end goal with this? But things have changed just from, you know, when we graduated film school to where things are at now, Yeah, where you really don't need a proper degree to do anything. Like I have never once used my degree for any of the jobs that I've gotten. It's hanging right there and it's just a giant paperweight. But yeah. I did learn a lot of great fundamentals and the the basics of filmmaking and, you know, some stuff that I'm sure I wouldn't learn online but there's just there's so many resources now there's so many Mm -hmm. like online classes that are so much cheaper than a film school price tag that I think people should consider first and even doing first Mm -hmm. and trying to learn that way before they commit to thousands of dollars yeah 15 to 20 years of paying off student loans yeah um for me I like well, when I went to film school, it, we didn't have the stuff online that there is now. Like, well, at least I didn't know about it. But I did learn like so many great things, like continuity and just like overall of like the production of how like large films are made and stuff like that. And yeah. probably if I knew what I was doing now, I, I probably wouldn't have gone to film school because when I went to film school, I wanted to be like the big director. Like I wanted to be in Hollywood and like, yeah, that's the dream. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now if I knew if I was just doing like Instagram and YouTube and like filming and photographing my office, I, I probably would have chosen a different route. But I mean, at the time you don't ever know. So yeah. If masterclass was around right. when, I was about to go to film school and I saw Martin Scorsese doing a master class. I would have probably gone that school, route. Right? Yeah. yeah. You don't need film school. <laughs> and you have Martin Scorsese like in your living room. Well, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, education yeah. is just education is just changing now like mm-hmm. like crazy because people are starting to realize that they're yeah, you're getting in debt like crazy for for so that at the end you you don't have a job you know what i mean so it's it's drastically changed over the years it's it's evolving and i think it's good that people are starting to realize that um i agree you don't have to get into like i'm not i'm not i didn't go to film film school and i i don't share the same exact goals as both of you but a lot of it is very similar to um like it applies to me as well like i didn't want to be a graphic designer to be honest with you like i didn't really think of becoming a photographer or graphic designer so i didn't really go to school for that um i went to school for advertising and i got you know i got my degree and again like you both i never had to once show my degree actually no but no one even asked for it and to a point where i'm like by the way, I have this. Do you want to see this? And they're like, no, not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're good. Yeah, you're, you're right. I got this little paper right here. Here's my so. $60,000 piece of paper. Can you please just look at it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just look at it. I should just print it out and put it on my shirt, you know, so everyone <laughs> right. can see it. But Or it, on a lanyard. Right. <laughs> on the lanyard. Laminated, yeah. laminated yeah. lanyard. No, yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah. So I think education is important, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I will not 
completely discount like schools because I think they're yeah. awesome. But you have to know if if if, a, if whoever's listening to to this is just like me when I was younger, where I felt that school will give me a purpose or or a path. You shouldn't approach it like that. You should try to find out what you want to do. And if you you know you want to be a filmmaker, for example, if you want to be a graphic designer, if you want to be a photographer, you can start doing that. You can start basically kind of like dipping your toes into the whole industry by, by just trying it out. And then if you want to further your skills, if you really want to master it, then you can consider going to a certain school. That's what I would say. Um, I wouldn't say that education, like I, I wouldn't say that it was a waste of time and money for, for anyone who went to school because like you both agree, you learned a lot of the fundamentals mm -hmm. through going to yeah, school. There were tons of benefits for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So we're not discounting like school at all. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Tell me how to get it. It's in your room. I can't. I'm looking. Go get it. It's in your room. I'm sorry. I'm... Hold on just a second. Why don't you just go <laughs> no, help her? <laughs> Do what? Why don't you just go help her? Yeah, I'm just no, kidding. No. Say hi, hi. Say hi. What a cutie. Oh, she's shy. I'll be right back. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so sorry. It's okay. We were just talking about you. Okay, yeah, no, that's fine. No, no, no. I, was, <laughs> I was just telling Jordan that um, being a parent was one of the things that I never thought I'd be very passionate about. A few years ago, before having my kids, you would never see me hold a child. Like, all my family who have, you know, kids... They're like, oh, hold, hold the baby. I'm like, nah, I'm afraid. That's how I am. Yeah, <laughs> That's how I am. seriously, like until I had my daughter, like the first time, you know, I had my daughter, and I was still like, like this, like I don't want to hold yeah. my, own, I don't want to hold my own baby. But after that, I was just like, Gosh, hold on, I'm gonna have to go get my mother-in-law. So Yeah, thank you for sharing all that stuff that you've shared thus far. Yeah. I mean, I think um, a lot of people will find those just any everything that you said very very valuable. I I was I approached this uh, this episode this morning as like you know what I'm going to walk into that room and start talking to them without knowing anything. So I I like deliberately did not ask you any questions beforehand. Try not to. Uh, like get to know you so you know what i mean because i wanted to be curious when you got when when we start we started talking because i think it was yeah, totally. matthew and cena who posted that do you guys follow him i know chelsea does do you follow Did matthew I, and I'm, I'm i've definitely seen the name okay yeah yeah so you guys uh i i recommend you follow him he is a you guys follow the future or chelsea does mm -hmm. with christo right Mm -hmm. So Matthew Encina is the chief content creator for for the future. So he has his own Instagram page and he does like a lot of um he does a lot of um desk setups too and I think his video on YouTube is one of the top like uh I think it hit a million views already. Just crazy. Wow. Yeah, for really? Yeah, it's crazy. That's I met insane. him I met him in person once when I went to Adobe Max and he's such a really like a super nice guy. Yeah, um, you you told that story on the podcast, didn't you? Or were we just we just I, was it just you and I, I talking about it? 
it might have been you were part like, of the podcast. Yeah, you were fangirled, right? I was. Yeah. Like, Hello. <laughs> How's you? <laughs> the guy right next to him was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> Don't mind me. Um, yeah. But yeah, he shared something like um, he said that if you want to learn about something, uh, approach it from a very like a curious position, right? So instead of if you're meeting with a client, for example, instead of trying to figure out oh, what do I ask them? What are the right questions to ask her? You know, stuff like that. Sometimes we, we tend to overthink it. And then mm -hmm. when we get there, we're like, uh, I don't really know what to ask. So instead of doing that, what he was suggesting was just completely go in blank, right? Like just don't think about anything. So approach it from a perspective that you're completely unaware of anything. And that makes you very curious, right? So um, I've been trying that lately and I'm like, you know, that that is true. So even with when I'm trying to create content, I try not to overthink it. I try to just feel like what I, you know what I mean? Like when I when I yeah. when someone sends me something to review, I'm like, mm, do I go through the same hoops, basically the unboxing and then doing like, I don't know. It's to me, it's starting to feel feel more like you're just filling up time. Mm -hmm. So I try to approach it in a different way. Um, but speaking of content creation, Jordan, I, I wanted to ask you this earlier and I, you know, I should probably ask this now because I'll, I, again, I'm going to forget later. Um, since you're at home and, you know, touring has obviously stopped, do you think that you're going to be focusing more on content creation for social media, for your personal brand, for example, is it something that you're working on? Yeah, I think that's, that kind of turned into the main focus. Um, I've been wanting to do it for years like starting a youtube channel and mm -hmm. doing working full-time for like your own personal brand has always been a goal like many others have mm -hmm. um and so i think that this was kind of the perfect time to really hone in and focus on that just to see can this happen um yeah. so that's definitely the focus right now and it'll still continue to be a focus when i get back to work and i'm busy with that stuff but um right now you know it's just it's different creating for yourself versus creating for a client. Like there's something so fulfilling about putting up a YouTube video, even if it gets a hundred views, um, I'll spend seven hours on that video, eight hours and be so content with the time I put into that versus spending six or seven hours on like some client videos that I do, you know, what do you there's something, mm -hmm. something different about it? What do you think that's the case? I'm just curious what you, what you think? Why do you think that even though you're not, yielding as much of a um as much results i guess on your personal stuff why do you feel that it's more fulfilling fulfilling in that sense i think it's the opportunity for growth so knowing that the videos and the photos that you put out could potentially grow into something that you know you could be proud of and i, I mean you should be proud of it from the start but the opportunity of you know, if I consistently do this, maybe it'll grow into something that can turn into something that I can really focus on full time with it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, there's just something. And I think another thing, too, is not having the pressure of anyone else's um, like ideas or suggestions of like, hey, we're looking for this and that we're looking for this style. It's really just, I want to shoot this video because, because. I love this topic yeah. or I can have complete 100 percent creative control over it mm -hmm. yeah yeah I that's exactly agree. what i was gonna say yeah do you do you think chelsea that um 
like does that does that resonate with you what he said that yes. that's yeah okay yeah absolutely because i was actually just creating um like a photo gallery thing for a client on monday and you know their initial um proposal was six photos for a certain price i turned in the six photos and three of the six they were like we like them but can we kind of get like something else and it's like I thought these photos were good. I mean, they were good and they thought they were good as well. But it's like Jordan said, like something when you're creating for yourself, you can have complete creative control versus when you're with a client and you you do put your own creative spin on it. And they're like, can we do something a little bit different? Like, yeah, you know, we, yeah. we don't technically like that. So can you like replace this with something else? So, yeah, like Jordan said, when you're creating for yourself, there's just something about it. Right. I think it's worry about it, it, it's like the plight of the creative, right? You, you, yeah. you don't want to be stuck in a box, but at the same time, we're at the mercy of what they're, whatever they say. It's like, yeah. oh, I have because you, you have know, your create, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yep. You have to be. You're a creative. That's awesome, but you yep. can't do that. So it's, yeah. it's, it kind of sucks. So I think, yeah, just, just uh, going back on that, why I asked Jordan that question because I struggle with that myself, like trying to figure out why, why do I feel that by putting out videos and pictures and whatever it is that I put out that there, there's something about it that I can't really explain. Cause a lot of people ask, you know, do you research it? Are you, are you making calculated decisions when you're creating content? I'm like, not really. No. It's mostly how I feel. And what I've learned about myself is that I think the reason why I like doing it, even though if I'm getting no views, I'm not, cause I've been there, I'm still going through the same thing, but, there's just that sense that, you know, I'm creating something for myself that which means I'm progressing myself compared to if I'm creating content or anything for someone else, I'm progressing their business, I'm progressing their brand, whatever it is. So the fact that I'm working on myself is just really, really satisfying. So it might look mm -hmm. like crap right now. But I know if I keep doing it, if I just keep just keep creating no matter how bad I think it is or whatever, it's eventually going to get better. So uh, just like what Jordan said earlier, it might turn into something. Actually, I would say it will turn into something. It yeah, might absolutely. take a longer time, but it will eventually turn into something because we have this, or at least I have this inner just desire to to put my, uh, almost like my my fingerprint on something, right? Like if I create something, I want people to see that and be like, that's, you know, that's Michael's style. That's, mm -hmm. that's his thing. And I'm starting to notice that with the uh, collaboration requests that I'm getting, like, mm -hmm. I don't know if um, you listened to the last, the last few episodes, Jordan, but um, Chelsea and I were talking about this one uh, company that emailed me and they said they wanted me to take photos of their product and they kind of worded their, worded their email in a way where they were trying to devalue my work by saying, isn't that ex a little excessive? Your price isn't that too much for something that's just on Instagram. And I basically just shot back by saying, hey, you guys reached out to me because you like my style. And so yeah. that was one of the hardest things I have had to do because the first, like the initial reaction for me was, I should lower my price, right? I should lower yeah. my price because um, they don't think it's worth it. So, but then I realized that I said, wait a minute, they could easily just ask anyone else to take photos because I can name a lot of people who are better at, you know, whatever it is that they want me to do than me. But they specifically chose me because there's something that I, I, 
I do with the work that I have that they really, really, really like. So instead of backing down, I actually said, um, no, this is my price. I can work with you if you want. We can kind of modify the stuff that I, the deliverables, but mm -hmm. you know, you guys approached me because this is the style that I want and I have to price myself accordingly because I, I, I have a lot of requests and the, the little update, this is um, just a little update for you as well, Chelsea, because I never mm -hmm. got to tell you, but I, they emailed me again and they said yes. So I was surprised because I kind of, yeah, I, I put myself out there. I, I gave them a price that was a little uncomfortable for me mm -hmm. because um, I also learned from thought leaders like Chris Doe and, you know, uh, the future basically mm -hmm. saying when you price yourself, you always have to feel a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. because when you get to the point when you're like, oh, this is, I don't know, however much, like yeah, for, just for example, 50 bucks. And I feel completely comfortable charging someone 50 bucks for something. That means you probably need to raise your price. It has to be yeah. on the edge. Like you're kind of uncomfortable whether they're going to say yes or no. So I got myself to that point. And that was the true test when, when they said yes. And they were more than happy. They're like, yeah, okay, let's do it. You know, let's work with it. And you just want to, we just want to make sure that this is what we'll get. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. So I wanted to share that with Chelsea as that's well, because awesome. we never got to talk. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm thank really you. glad to hear that. That's so yeah. cool. So now I'm not just talking out of my ass when I say, <laughs> don't back down on your price. So yeah. Yeah, I, no, that's I, great. Yeah. Cause you don't want to work for someone who came back and said, okay, we'll go with someone else because yeah. what comes with that cheaper price is even more stuff that you don't see on the front that's just not worth it. Right. Yeah, exactly. But on the same topic though, what would you guys, both of you, I'm curious to hear, what would you advise people who are just starting out? Do they just start throwing out prices with you know what they think is their worth or how would they figure that one out from your both of your industry that you both are working in? Like, that's always a tough yeah. a tough thing mm -hmm. i think it for me at least like learning how to charge i'm still learning how to charge you'll mm -hmm. always be learning how and what to charge um i think it depends on what you're trying to get into and what you want to shoot and you got to figure out like okay by taking this job for free because i want the opportunity are there going to be any repercussions or is it going to lead to anything negative in the future how like am i going to be able to charge the next person because i did this for free yeah so you really have to think on what's the starting point and i think i struggle with that too chelsea i'm sure you have better insight than i do on how to like first start charging but yeah um i don't know that if i have any like solid advice but i can i can say what i did and first starting out of course once you get past like doing the free work you know you've done free work for your friends and you've done free work for family and then you have somebody that maybe the friends or family have you know recommended to this person mm -hmm. honestly when i first started charging it was super cheap like 50 bucks or something for a product photo shoot but once i felt like I was delivering something that was worth three and five hundred dollars like I didn't have a problem charging that because I knew it was worth it like I knew that what they were getting was worth five hundred dollars yeah you know even though they could have gone to someone else that would have charged fifty dollars but I it wouldn't have been as good as what I was producing for them so I mean I think it's just with everyone it's different you just you start 
in the beginning at free and then you eventually you are I don't want to say this kind of it's it, it sounds shallow but you get to the point Uh-oh. where you I know my battery died I'm gonna have to replace it <laughs> that's okay I was waiting for it to die <laughs> <laughs> I mean at this point uh we're mostly just recording audio anyway because okay. we can't upload the whole video oh that's true it's okay you can turn on your um yeah, regular camera. <laughs> okay. You were on a roll too. Like I wanted I to, to listen. I know that was a great thought. <laughs> I'm sorry, but okay. um, what what I was saying is, you know, it's different for everyone. You start out free, and then you eventually get to the point where you know your work is is good enough, and you don't feel like you're overcharging that person. And I think it really just comes with time, uh, for mm-hmm. everyone. I mean, I know yeah. I did for me for sure, but and I like to set benchmarks too yes. with pricing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, you know get into that uncomfortable space of raising your price mm-hmm. and yeah you're going to get a couple no's but then you're going to get that one yes and it's mm-hmm. like okay now we're we set the standard here yeah. yeah and unless it's something that makes sense to go under um or you know you're they're asking like hey how can we th- if they're asking you to lower your price with good intention yeah of like this is what we have mm-hmm. um then yeah go under that but i like to benchmark yes my yeah. prices for sure because it just sets the standard of like mm-hmm. what what kind of work is it worth like is it worth me doing it for cheaper yeah. that's that because of the time that goes into it both of you like uh pointed out really really good um points that i don't know if you realized it but what jordan said but basically basically setting benchmarks i think a lot of this has to do with self-awareness right so mm-hmm. both of you know that I mean, we all start from you know with working for free. I mean, we all hate that, but that's the nature of it, right? Like you have yeah. to kind of it's prove yourself the cold first. Truth, yeah, yeah. You just have to prove yourself first. You're proving it to the client, and you're proving it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you start to get better, and you have to have that self awareness to know that I am getting better. My work is getting better. My technique is improving. That's when you start to really, really think about it and be like, maybe I should start raising my prices. And I think that's that's important because a lot of people. We maybe it's just I don't know if it's most creators or creatives who feel that we're not worth our work. Maybe we're just so overly critical about ourselves that we always say, I don't know if people are willing to pay for this price. But honestly, if you have that self-awareness, like knowing that you are worth that um, that amount that you're charging, like you are progressing in terms of technique and style and your brand is just becoming very well known your photos your videos everything is just they know when they see it oh that's chelsea's oh that they, they know that oh that's jordan's and then you know that you basically set that that bar in other people's minds already so yeah, I absolutely think, right so i think that's when you start to learn that okay maybe i can start raising my prices and then obviously you do a little research you study um mm-hmm. you don't want to just put your um a random number out there as as uh, as awesome as that sounds like that doesn't really work but um yeah i mean i'm i'm really glad that you guys uh shared those because it's confirmation for me like mm-hmm. yeah I, that's that's the same way that's the same way how i feel um yeah. you start to benchmark yourself in, in, yeah. in terms of pricing and quality of work then you'll you'll understand but yeah we all kind of have to start with in the beginning and do free stuff and actually before before we proceed i wanted to the reason why i keep going back to this topic it seems to be one thing that keeps popping up in my inbox when people are asking me questions um 
like how do you price yourself like how do you how do you know how much to charge someone and it's such a there's so many unknowns that I can't just say as a graphic designer, you should price yourself like this as a photography. No, it's really not, especially now where everyone is online. Everyone is digital. Everyone has to have their own style. Like you have to, to really stand out. You have to be memorable. You don't necessarily have to be, it's weird, but because I really think you don't necessarily necessarily have to be the best. You just have to have that unique voice that, that aligns with whoever it is that you're working with. So, yeah. right. And so I think um, because someone actually, this is probably a good time for me, for, for us to read um, any questions that anyone might've sent for uh, through Instagram. But after we do that, so let's do this first. Okay. So after we do that, I want to go back to one DM that was sent to me that I never responded to yet, but I wanted to get you guys like your input. On, on this question and it cool. regards yeah. it's regarding a price as well so did you get any questions chelsea i am looking right now okay we don't have gear gear news today do we no i shared all the the esr gear news last last <laughs> week that i had okay. i'm so like, <laughs> i'm so hyper focused on that r5 like it's all that i'm interested in right now i do know that there was some r6 um specs that were like leaked i don't know if they're true or not but okay well we'll save that till for next time yeah then. that's fine um, i didn't get any questions no questions okay i think i did get a couple of questions and i don't know if these are because i promised chelsea that i was never going to read any of the questions just like as a little surprise so when we start reading it so i don't know what we're getting we'll see cool all right so we it's got a dangerous game we play <laughs> we're lucky we only got five questions today so that's good we can go through it um oh this one's from lisa and she lisa is a lisa martinovska i don't i never wanted to say her last name i'm sorry lisa because i'm not sure if i pronounce it correctly but she's a good friend of mine and she is a um ui ux designer and she asks she's she says Hi, Jordan. Nice to meet you. What is your most favorite lens for setup shooting? Ooh, definitely the 16 to 35. That's like my go-to lens for basically everything. Um, just because it's a wide lens, but still what your eye perceives, perceives as like proportionate or proportional. Yeah. Um, it's like 14 to 16 is what a lot of people use for real estate because it's wide, but you can still view it. It doesn't make the office look larger than it actually is. Right. Yeah. Right. It doesn't okay. warp it too much either at 16. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I'm guessing Chelsea has the same answer because she was just cheering him on. <laughs> I love my 16 to 35, even though I, because I'm such a fan of my ESR I, and I love the RF lens, I pretty much use my 24 to 105 that came with the R just because I, I don't know. I love the RF. They're so sharp. Yes, I love it. So sharp. I'm trying to sell my 1DX Mark II and my um, three EF lenses that I have and nobody wants them. I'm so sad. <laughs> someone I, someone so, will buy them. I hope. I don't know. <laughs> I forgot. You both are Canon shooters, right? I'm the lone Sony yep. user here. Yeah, I used to. I, I shoot a lot of Sony for video, but okay. I never got into it for photo. I see. Yeah, okay. I love Canon. All right, good answers though. Um, we have one from uh, 
Jose Rodriguez six, underscore 64. And he asks, this might be for you, Jordan, because I am I have no idea what he's talking about. He <laughs> says, Sony or Black Magic? Oh. Um, you do have the Black Magic. I do. I think they're two different cameras for two different needs. Yeah. The Black Magic is going to be. It's going to give you a more commercial and cinematic look. It's going to give you, you know, raw video, all that goodness, but it's not going to be practical for every shooting situation. The Sony overall is going to be more for traveling and like run and gun type stuff. I think it's more well-versed because you can shoot photo and video. Um, the codec's going to be, or the bit rate smaller, so you're going to have more compressed video. So it all depends on like what you need it for. If you're just shooting YouTube content or online stuff, you don't need 10-bit colors. You don't need the you know insanely large file sizes that you get from the Black Magic. So I think it just depends on what you're using it for. I'm gonna. This is gonna sound like a really dumb question, but is a Black Magic camera really expensive? No, depends. they're actually yeah. It it, it depends. Okay. Um, the Black Magic Pocket Cinema, which is like probably the most popular right now. It's a 4K and 6K camera that the body alone is under $3,000. It's like, I think they just dropped the price to 2000 for the 6K one. Yeah. And you have to four, build it out, but. The 4K is only like 14 or 1500 I think. Yeah, I think I got mine like open box on eBay for $1,100. That's not bad. Oh. Yeah. If, you, if someone is needing just a cinema camera, it's a great camera. Yeah, if you're wanting to do commercial work and like client stuff that you need the quality but you're still working with uh, video budgets under say five grand or less as like an overall budget i think that it's a great camera yeah. I agree. okay awesome yeah see i'm learning i'm learning something <laughs> thank you for that question uh jose rodriguez um you're gonna like this one jordan sorry there's like a can you can you guys hear that I heard a little bit. I okay, it's it's a I it's, what it was. It's a it's a garbage truck. So we're gonna pause this. <laughs> I don't. Wanna... Yeah, he's kind of late today. He's usually really early, so I get up like super early in the morning before my kids get up, so I can take the trash out. But that's what, what I, I do. It's too. like it's lunchtime yeah, already. I'm a last minute guy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's almost gone. Okay, cool. Jordan, I think you're gonna like this this next question. It says. Jordan, would you ever fly your drone at a water park with Connor again? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing you know who this question is from. Oh yeah, this is a funny story. <laughs> I love uh, that. If we have time for it. Okay, yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, so this was like 2014, kind of the wave of drones when they first got popular. And I got my first drone and I tried to fly it everywhere. And I saw that people were taking their drones up and shooting a uh, video of firework shows during 4th of July. So me and a couple of buddies went to the local water park and they were doing like a firework show. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. So we take the drone up, filming it. And I mean, I'm flying like into the fireworks and in and out and like just getting this cool footage. And then we start hearing this yelling. We're like parked outside of the park. And we see this security guard on like a total power trip. Like, you guys need to come here freaking out on us. Um, and <laughs> my buddy was like, oh, do you want to fly it? And he's like, no, but I'll help you break it. Uh -oh. And just total power trip. <laughs> threatened to call the feds on us, oh, whatever no. that meant at the time. <laughs> um, and so 
we just we took it down. I was like, let's let's just get out of here, guys. <laughs> That's funny. So was, they they still give me crap for that. For the, yeah. I love that. I love that. I know. That's awesome. <laughs> I was reading it. I'm like, huh, he must know who George. Who, I do right yeah. away. I was like, oh my god, it's <laughs> hilarious. I love stories like that. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, we have another question from Nicole. Nicole is my cousin, and she is an avid listener to this podcast, Chelsea. She yes. she likes listening to us. She always makes fun of me. And so, because I'm terrible with jokes. Like, I know I don't know any jokes at all. And I, <laughs> that this is why she's asking this. So maybe you guys can chime in. She said, what is your go-to joke when someone asks you to tell one? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't have one. Uh, I, I've got mine. Do you? Yeah. Go for it. It's the one from The Office where Dwight goes, knock, knock. And Michael says hello. And then he slaps him. He goes, we're the KGB. We ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite one. I do, I do that all the time just so I can like, smack somebody's cheek. <laughs> like, what was that? <laughs> That's great. I'm going to start using that because I always freeze up. Anytime yeah. someone... Literally the other day, my fiance and I were doing an engagement shoot, and the photographer Love was like, those hey, photos, uh, thank you. Yeah, I <laughs> just like, saw them, by the way. Congratulations. Joke. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the photographer was like, hey, say a funny joke. Tell her a funny joke. And I just, like, freeze up. I'm like, <laughs> I I don't know. Like, humor has just left my body. Yeah. Do the KGB one. That's, it's always my I'm going to start, yeah. yeah. I need to go, too. That's going to be it. <laughs> I know. I hate, I hate it when, people, when photographers go, laugh i'm like wait what like you want me to laugh yeah. like yeah I'm just laugh. <laughs> yeah i know yeah. Like, like wait a minute yeah i hate that yeah how'd it go though how'd your engagement shoot go it was good it was hot it's like 105 all week in Holy fresno Holy moly so that is hot. a bit brutal yeah. yeah but it was a lot of fun that's great and you guys were wearing like you were wearing a suit right were you no you i was wearing like a yeah like a a button-up t-shirt oh, okay okay style yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I, w- I would have not lasted if I was in a suit. There's no way. <laughs> okay. All right. Our last question is from I am Michael. E- um, I am Michael Evans, and Chelsea and I knew know who this person is. Yeah, he's yeah. a good guy. Um, he says, "What do you do to change your perspective when shooting the same space?" Ooh, good that's question. a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think. For me, I try to add some sort of like foreground mm-hmm. or something to it, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, because you can change the angle, you can shoot the front, you can shoot the left, the right. I like to add some sort of depth and dimension. Yeah, but um, it's always tough. Like when you, when you shoot a lot of the same stuff, you want to make the feed look as diverse as possible. Yes, and so trying to figure out different ways to do that can be tough. But I think foreground for me. That's a good point. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think, Chelsea? I was going to say, well, I know for me, I'm constantly moving things around in here. And the only thing that I can't move is that shelf because it's literally bolted to the wall. (laughs) But everything else, I'm constantly moving to another corner or changing things on the shelf. Because if not, like Jordan said, like things get stagnant. Like, and I was actually struggling with that a couple weeks ago. I know Michael and I talked about it and he's like, Try changing things up because I was stuck like at 8,500 followers or something. I was like, Michael, they're not moving. What's happening? <laughs> He's like, well, to be honest, like the the grid is starting to like just look 
like the same, the like same. every photo. I was like, all right, we're pushing things around. We're, you know, getting new perspectives. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. I know. She, she woke up from the <laughs> oh, She's like, hey. Hey. <laughs> Put her paw on you. <laughs> she's so cute. How old is she? She is 10 months. Oh, oh she's a puppy. Baby. Yep. Oh, that's a big puppy. She, yeah. Oh, yeah. How cute. Yeah, I think that's great, Chelsea. Like moving things around to different mm-hmm. walls freshens mm-hmm. it up yeah. so much. Yeah. Because, you know, most people can't tell, like, especially I see your guys' photos and I'm like, wait, are they in a different room? Like, <laughs> how many spaces do they have to shoot in? Yeah. It's just this one. Everything else, every other room is everyone else's. Like, it's so funny. Like, my kids call this my bedroom. They're like, mommy, where do you, where do you sleep at in here? I'm like, no, honey, I sleep in my bedroom. And they're like, why do you have two rooms? <laughs> I know it's not fair. I know. Um, I think Michael is asking this question because I know he has, when you look at his feed, his space is quite limited, I can Mm -hmm. tell. And so he's probably asking this question to try to, maybe to try to change things up a bit, or maybe he's just genuinely, uh, genuinely curious. But I struggled with the same thing when I first started because I didn't really have um, anything else to photograph in this room. It was literally just a desk and that's it. But, Jordan made a good point and you Chelsea yeah like it's you either add something in the foreground and that's what I would do you just add mm-hmm. something in the foreground add something else in the background um try something very like sometimes it's interesting to me to look at like when I put the camera on the table like something that low right like really really low and it doesn't really give um it doesn't make everything visible like I, ha- I would have a really really um what is it again like a my my aperture is like really really i can't think of the word uh, is it like open is open it that's it yeah, i don't know why i yeah. think of more open but uh <laughs> so everything's like out of focus right and then yeah. i would just have I, but i would focus more on like the texture of the table for example or um and these are the shots that i never really shared but it's something to just bring a different perspective in the same space you know what i mean because i, I sometimes i would even put the camera on top on, on the tripod, extend the tripod and just like raise it like as high as I can and just try to get like the back of the monitor, you know? So stuff like that. Um, I would try different exercises like that just to see if I can really capture something else. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I would do. And like you said, just add some something in the foreground, uh, move things if you if you can move the table. Yeah. That would be that would be great if that's if Michael Michael if that's what you were asking about like how to change things up, those are the things that I would or we would do. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. another just quick tip if you can mm. I know both of my desks have wheels and so it makes it easy to move them around and at first my white desk over there it didn't have wheels and so it was stuck on that that one wall because I couldn't move it by myself without like rocking everything on there <laughs> and so. But I eventually got wheels for it because this one came with wheels. And I was like, oh, my God, this is genius. Like, why didn't I think about putting wheels on this desk? So if you can, put your desk on wheels, and that way you can move it to another corner if you have a big enough room or whatever. But just try to get creative, I guess. Just try to move things around and switch things up. It really brings a nice new perspective. Yeah. What I've done, too, is that I would take a picture of the desk, but with the chair in front, like in the foreground. But the focus would be on the desk instead of the chair Mm -hmm. so i'll just have the chair kind of out of focus but it just adds a layer of like depth to the photo yeah makes it more interesting right so 
Um, yeah, that's a great question. And because I, I know a lot of people are wondering, like, how do you guys take pictures of your desk? Like, you just keep taking pictures. Just try to try something. My goal is always to make it look like it's in a different space. Like, maybe mm -hmm. make people think, like, wait, it's at the same desk? Is that the same room? Because it's the same thing. It's the same damn thing that I see every morning when I walk yeah. in here. It's kind of boring it gets, now. <laughs> it's tricky for sure. Yeah. That's why I've repainted already. Like, when we bought this house, I painted. And in less than a year, I repainted again to this black. Because when you see something, especially me, like, when I see something every day over and over, like, I get tired of it. And I'm like, bust out the paint cans. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, I love so, it though. Like, yeah. I love the color of your office. I, I, oh, I know. one day I'm going to steal that. Do you follow yeah. Becky and Chris or Chris and Becky? Oh, yes, yeah. love right? them. Right? Oh my God, I'm so jealous of their. Uh, oh, they are their so cool. Their whole aesthetic is like, it's yeah, so their cool. whole life well, is just cool. Right? That's what I was about to say. Just in general, like, they are just cool. They own a helicopter. Mm. They're like constantly going to like cool new places. I'm like, hmm. I know. Mm, I'm here. I don't have a helicopter. <laughs> I, I have a nice chair. <laughs> That's what I have. I have a nice chair. Well, that was great. Um, thank you for sending those questions. And go, again, I said I mentioned earlier that I wanted to address this one DM that I got from uh, a listener. And I'm, you know, for the sake of this conversation, I'm not going to uh, say their name. But basically what she was saying is that they listen to the, our podcast and they love it. And, you know, thank you. Um, actually, they didn't say that they love it, but I'm assuming that they do because <laughs> they're sending us a message. That's um, and they said that they have a question, but it, they know that it can be a little personal. But what they would really, they would, uh, would really like to know how we basically charge for our work. Because they, I guess they struggle with the same thing, like trying to figure out. So the question is, how do you charge, you know, X amount of money for your work? And maybe, you know, Chelsea might be able to, to I don't know, shed some light into this as well, if, if it's mm -hmm. okay for you to talk about it. Um, sure. But yeah, that's basically the question. And that's why I kept going back to, to asking about the price and everything. So mm -hmm. without being too specific, we don't have to. Um, how would you charge for because she didn't really say or he or she didn't really say i guess i gave it away but <laughs> she didn't really say uh what specifically what their their work is okay so um i mean i'm an open book i don't mind telling okay. what i charge um i mean because especially like this forum like everyone is kind of wanting to do what we do anyways yeah um yeah. but i guess i would really kind of need to know like what that person does i mean if not i can just tell like what i do like my main job where i get my my income really comes from product photography mm -hmm. and it depends on if you know what the client wants how many photos if i'm editing those photos um and how quick of a turn turnaround time that they want and it really could be anywhere from 500 to 1200 dollars depending on what they want and the lowest is is 500 i don't charge under 500. yeah um okay so it yeah it really just depends on what they want and how fast i need to do it and if i have to go buy something for it like um, a client that i work with all the time they wanted rgb lights incorporated so of course i had to go buy those and yeah. it's actually those lights but i'm an idiot and i didn't buy the bridge that goes with it so i can like change the color so <laughs> i'm waiting on that to come in the mail but um and usually that's something that they reimburse me for or i just 
charge extra to compensate for that. Okay. But so it really would vary depending on the scope of the job, right? It would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know it's it's really hard to answer that question. Um, mm -hmm. I'll give a slightly different perspective. And I will, instead of using photos, I will use my example as a content creator on Instagram. So when I started this, I think I was at around 5,000 5, followers when I started to get offers. Like, mm -hmm. hey, can you promote this product and how much do you charge? So I did a little bit of research and they said that there's no rule. Obviously, there's no rule for how much anyone should charge, especially back then. Like they, people were kind of focused on how many followers you have. Mm -hmm. But there was kind of like a um, um, a little like a rule of thumb, I guess, that for every ten thousand followers, you can charge about a hundred per post, a hundred dollars mm -hmm. per post. Mm -hmm. And but I wasn't charging that. I was actually because I think I was like around five thousand. I was charging seventy bucks because I was under under um, ten thousand followers. But then as I kept going, I started to realize that it's not necessarily the number of your followers. It's more of how healthy your engagement is because mm -hmm. I can have a, I can have 20,000 followers, but zero engagement and no one's going to buy the product that I, that I just posted. Right. Mm -hmm. So I based it more on that. I try to keep a healthy engagement. And so it's, it depends on how active your audience is and how engaged they are. And then you can price accordingly. So I start, even before I started, um, I think I was I went over ten thousand followers. Then I started to increase my price. Like I didn't go with a hundred bucks, so I I went a little bit over that, and then people were more than willing to pay for that price. And mm -hmm. to now, what I do is, obviously, I try to understand the brand first. Like who are the the people that they're trying to reach, right? The audience. If they're a smaller brand, I obviously price accordingly. If, um, if it's just like, I don't know, like a phone, cell phone case or something that they're just, you know, they want to show like a, like a simple, nice little case. And I said yes to them. I could probably give them a deal of like, yeah, I could just say a hundred bucks for one post. But if they want something like, um, a carousel, some video and some stuff like that, the range can be anywhere from just like Chelsea, like 500 to like, you know, a thousand something or more. So it really varies on, on the scope. And don't try, I guess my only advice is don't try to price yourself based on the amount of time it'll take you to work on it. Because Chelsea and I discussed this before. There's a lot more than just how, many, how much time you're spending to edit a video or take a photo. It's more than that. It mm -hmm. has your style, the, you know, the, the, the things that you've developed over the years that they cannot get anywhere else. It's very important because that's essentially what they're paying for, your mm -hmm. style. Right, not your time, your your brand, your style, your that magic touch, yeah. and also very important is what they're paying for is your your um you're basically the bridge between them and their ideal customer. So what they're trying to access is, you know, are are the people that follow you. That's mm -hmm. what they're really after. You know, to be honest. So you have to also take that into account. Now, did you just happen to come across these people? No, you worked your hard. I mean, you worked really hard to get that following, right? Mm -hmm. So that has to have some sort of premium over the price that you normally would charge. Yeah. So that's what I would share, you know, and, and, you know, to answer that question, I hope, I hope that was a little insightful. Was, I don't know yeah. if it was. 
Yeah, but, no, for yeah. sure. And same when people reach out and want to send me a product and then want me to essentially run an ad on my Instagram, it's anywhere from $75 to $150, depending on what they want, you know. Yeah. So it, it really, it's, it's hard for me to like, tell this person like a price to charge because it really just depends on the work that they're that the customer wants essentially yeah. so try to make packages like um, for a basic yeah. package do this yeah i'll take one photo or whatever and then mm -hmm. then you have the 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 um the freedom to kind of add more things add more value yeah. and i always also try to practice um instead of just giving them a price outright i'll say you know i can do this for you and it can reach this many people and you know um i have a track record a proven track record of you know generating this much sales for example if you have those information um and then you hit them with price like basically you're giving them value first like this is what you can get this is what you can get and when they see that like that overall the price doesn't seem so bad you know what i mean mm -hmm. instead of just saying it's 500 bucks for one photo i'm like you know that doesn't really entice them to work with you it's more it's like not, it's not selling it either yeah it's not selling anything so so sell yourself and then give them the price but you know give instill in their minds that like make them feel confident that you know by working with you they're actually getting results yeah. um but yeah we can go on and on, and on with this we topic could. and we could. I, and i don't want to keep jordan here for the entire day so no i'm good although that would be really really fun so <laughs> i guess I guess if um, we don't have anything else, Chelsea, right? We this no, is um, I think we're good. no gear news, no anything, no. Oh, we did the mail already, so that's awesome. But uh, thank you oh. again, Jordan. This oh yeah, go ahead. I wanted to add one quick thing. I actually partnered with a company called Wonder and Awe, and they were supposed to send me. Well, they are sending me a package. The mail is crazy behind, but I told them that we would do like a little ad in. Our podcast. So I just wanted to just really quickly say Wonder and Awe is a clothing company and they are donating all proceeds until the end of this month to go to the NAACP. So anytime any buys anything through my link or just through their website in general, all of those proceeds go to in the NAACP. So I wanted to say that just really quickly because I know it's important to to all of us. So yeah. That's all no, I appreciate that. That's that's yeah. great. That's great. That's something that Chelsea and I wanted is just incorporate more in this podcast. Like, you know, like shout outs, basically. Mm -hmm. Kind of. I, I don't want to call yeah. them ads because we don't ask for payment. Although yeah. maybe later know. down the line. <laughs> but, oh, <as laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> not right now. Later we're, we're all we're about helping each other. So, yeah. you know, we I appreciate that. Um, Jordan, I don't know how, if you realize this yet, but this is a very special episode for me and Chelsea because this is our first guest. You are our first guest. and That's awesome. Yeah, we're really, really happy. you, Jordan. Yeah. I'm honored. Yeah. I'm so happy you guys asked me to do it. You are a you know very, very, very awesome guest, and we really, really appreciated your time. I know you waited a little bit because Chelsea and I are not the most organized bunch of people here. <laughs> so. I'm so hey, no unorganized. <laughs> Michael has learned that very well, that Chelsea is do i do things at the very last second i'm never on time which like, drives my husband nuts <laughs> like, so 10 a.m tomorrow she's like yeah i'm like yeah, okay I'll, that's 10 45 10 45 he knows i'm glad he knows <laughs> i'm not surprised anymore my wife no. is exactly the same thing but um okay well uh we'll just end the, po the podcast here oh, be before we end that 
obviously we want to promote Jordan too. So Jordan, can you tell um, the listeners where they can find you and maybe if you have any pro- uh, projects that you're working on or if you want to promote, you know, feel free. This, the floor is yours. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Jordan Pulmano, just my first and last name, P-U-L-M-A-N-O, because people struggle with that. Um, that Instagram, YouTube, I post as much as I can on there doing that. But that's really all I'm working on right now. That's all I can do since I'm not traveling. So if you want to keep up to date, then hit me up on there and say hello. That's awesome. awesome. So this is a question that I wanted to ask you. If um, if you're cool with it, would it be okay to invite you again one of these days to the Absolutely. podcast? Awesome. Yeah, okay. my schedule's open. So you let me know. That's great. I was going to say, too, I when we can all travel again, I'm coming out to California. So we need to get together. I know I me and Michael have plans to like (laughs) do a YouTube thing together. And so we all need to get together. And I love that. How like Peter McKinnon and Casey Neistat, like we could be that next generation. So I really Mm -hmm. want to get together. And I know I'm the one that lives the furthest out here in the boondocks. But. So I will I will come to California. I know you guys are kind of close to each other, so yeah. we'll get. We'll so get I'm something. always in Southern California, so perfect. I'm so down. I just want to get out of this yeah. house. <laughs> oh my god, me that would too. be awesome. I just want to get on an airplane and just breathe in that recycled nasty oh, air. <laughs> you know? I miss it. I do too. I miss, I miss it. I miss the yelling from the TSA. <laughs> I traveled so abuse. much, so much before this. I mean, constantly, you know, back and forth to Hawaii or Tennessee or. Whatever, and so now I'm just like, oh my god, I'm I'm feeling yucky in this house. I'm ready to get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, all right. Well, thank you again, guys, for for spending the time with us and for listening. Uh, again, please follow us on our official Instagram account, which is at uh, Chelsea. Help me out. You know, coffee, you know, Michael. Coffee at Coffee W Creators on Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. And check out our YouTube channels. I think we all, we should probably start putting those links in the show notes. Yeah. For, for people for sure. to, to follow. Yeah. We'll do that. But let us know what you guys think. Thank you for sending the questions. And if you guys want to hear more guests, because Chelsea and I definitely want to bring more people here. Eventually, we want this to be just a community of creatives and creators. Yeah. And, you know, we want people to discover new people and just follow them and you know just spread the word so if you guys have any suggestions as who our next guest you know should be or could be um definitely let us know uh maybe we can we can have a little um i don't know like a little questionnaire like who they want or a voting system somehow i don't know we'll figure it Sounds out good. but yeah um again this is michael uh with with chelsea and jordan actually i shouldn't say that i should let everyone sign up <laughs> i'm terrible at this terrible at this but um again thank you again for watching this is michael and i'm chelsea i'm jordan thank you for what for listening to coffee creators and we'll catch you guys again on the next episode bye, bye.